everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and we are coming to you from the new Rockstar office. Not all the acoustical panel is set up in my office yet. Actually, none of it is. Um, so the acoustics on this episode are a little off, but we are getting there. Uh, we actually got kicked out of our last office a couple weeks early. The landlord had a tenant, uh, sorry, they had an option um, if they found a new tenant to give us notice and get us out of there a couple weeks early, which uh, got exercised and we had to bolt out of there. So we're in our new office. We have about 40% of our furniture as I record this. Another 40% is coming tomorrow. The rest will come in January. And the acoustical setup in my office is not ha has not happened yet. So on this episode, um, the acoustics aren't just right, just perfect just yet, but it's coming. So bear, bear with us for a few episodes while that happens. And uh, the volume, I, I did the podcast setup um, for Spencer's episode here and the volume on my mic was a little bit off so we're, we're just getting back into rolling and it's uh, gonna be a few little hiccups along the way but uh, we're definitely gonna get there so uh, Spencer Brown does a great job on this episode of breaking down his strategy for investing in real estate which in involves severing lots so I'll let him share the story on the episode uh, but it's really cool to hear a 29 year old do this uh, he actually works with Andrew Palhitas on the team here at Rockstar um, and uh, just a really good guy I mean at 29 years old to share some of the stuff that he shared and his perspective on real estate and life in general is really cool. Totally impressed. Really good guy. And uh, if you are listening to this and you want some real estate specific information for yourself, the best place to go to is always going to be rockstarinnercircle.com. And uh, you can check out our videos on there, access to the podcast notes on there, get access to the latest reports that we're putting out and free copies of our books are on there as well. You can also sign up for our training classes on there. Um, so it's a, we're trying our best to share a lot of valuable information to help your real estate journey. And the reason we get asked this a lot, like why are you sharing all this freaking information on your website? The reason we're sharing free copies of our books and put together reports and share them is we're ultimately trying to work with you at some point that if you're going to invest in real estate, that maybe we share enough value that you think, hey, I'm going to check these guys out and maybe we develop a relationship and we get to work together at some point. So that's where we're coming from, trying to share good information in the hopes that one day perhaps we're going to cross paths and our journeys kind of will evolve together. So, um, rockstarinnercircle.com is the place to go for that. And I think that's everything. We're going to share Spencer's URL. He's putting some tools on his website for you. If this podcast goes out and you get there and you hear him discuss some of what he's going to share, it's not there yet. It's coming. He just left here saying he's going to put that up there. I think um, he's going to have that up there shortly. But if you hit his website early, you might not get them. Um, but he is busy doing that kind of stuff. That's it for now. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live with Spencer Brown. Spencer. Okay. Yes, you're there. Okay, I'm so here. I have the mics turned down a little bit just until we finish. So if you're listening to this, we're, this is the first podcast in our new office. The, not all the acoustical stuff, I don't know, panels, whatever it is, are in yet. So I have the mics turned down just a little bit so we don't pick up some of that echo until uh, we're probably a few weeks away from getting that all set up. But I want to thank Spencer because for doing this, first of all, and sharing your story. But Spencer was kind enough to bring in some Prosecco. And I've opened, I don't know how many bottles of Prosecco. <laughs> so it's champagne. If you've never heard of Prosecco, it's like Italian champagne. And uh, I've, I don't know, I can't tell you how many bottles I've opened. 
and I've never had that happen to me where I undid the little wire top of a sh- the champagne bottle, the Prosecco bottle. And literally, as soon as that came off, the cork hit the ceiling here and champagne poured all over the brand new desk, Spencer, and uh, all over the new office. So you broke us in good, man. You broke us in. So uh, christened, you. christened the new office. You did. So cheers, man. Well, well we're going to toast some Prosecco cheers. while we're drinking this. So uh, thanks for doing that. It's very kind of you. Everyone, you have to bear with us here for one sec while we take a gulp. I took too big of a gulp. <laughs> Not like, refrigerated for it. Psycho. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. So I, I want to jump into this. Thank you for sharing the story. So tell everyone your age right now. Can we, you know, how old are you? I just turned 29. Yeah. And can you walk us through this? Because what you've accomplished here at 29 years old is pretty cool. So can you walk us through a little bit of your, your real estate journey? Just to paint the context. And then I have some questions for you about this. For sure. Um, so I guess... I always wanted to. You're good. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I always wanted to, you know, start my own business or invest in in something, right? So I've had this desire for a while, but just in twenty, and I had a bunch of different ideas before real estate kind of showed up. But um, yeah, so I bought my first property in 2016. Uh, so yeah, just about three years ago now, um, and it was the cheapest house in Shelburne by about a hundred thousand dollars. Tell everyone where Shelburne is. So Shelburne's about an hour north of here in Oakville. Um, most people know where Orangeville is, which is about 40 minutes north of Brampton and Shelburne's about 20 minutes north of that. So I grew up in the Orangeville area and so Shelburne, uh, and I was living in Orangeville at the time actually with my dad. And the cheapest property by a hundred thousand dollars. So what did you buy? Uh, what, what did we buy? An old farmhouse. Um, well, I mean, it's in town. But it was an old farmhouse built in 1880, about 1,800 square feet, um, and it was rough. The you could skateboard like a half pipe on the kitchen floors, uh, so we went in there and we we flattened them out, um, and the the whole place was just in in pretty rough shape. So uh, yeah, we we picked it up for about 250 thousand, and the cheapest house in Shelburne at the time, in the last year, was about 350 thousand. So um, yeah, it was. I mean a really good deal. And, and that's what kind of attracted me to it. Right. Um, and so, and what were you, what was the plan with that particular property? So what we did was we fixed it up. So we flipped it, we turned it into a dupe, a legal duplex. When you say we, who's we? So I was working with my dad on this one. Um, and my family kind of helped me out with it as well. Yeah. And I had you know, different contractors come in, electricians and stuff. Of course. But, sure. But yeah. Okay. So sorry, go on. You turned it into a legal duplex. Yep. Um, and then we severed a lot as well off of it. Okay. So that you severed the lot, which is like bananas to me because like you're 29, but no, at this time, this was three years ago. You yeah, said yeah, so you're so 26 at this time. Correct. I love this story already. So you buy this house, you think you're, does your dad supportive or is he think you're crazy? <laughs> no, like I know he's going to help you. No, he's supportive. So I should say, yeah. So my dad's a real estate agent actually. Okay. So that's how he, like he found it. Right. And he was oh, like, Hey, awesome. Hey, like, you how was it this. such a deal? Just the condition or was it some the, weird power condi- of sale situation? No, it, the condition was, was poor and the guy that was living there what, didn't keep it in good, in good shape. And we found out afterwards that he had dogs living in the garage and it was just, it was kind of derelict, 
yeah, yeah, derelict, I think. Yeah, 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 got it. <laughs> yeah, so it was in rough shape. And it was in December. December's a good time to buy, actually, because there's not as many people looking, right? So it was on the market for a while. Totally. It's weird you're saying that because you're right. You're 100% right. December usually is the right time to buy. We're recording this right now, right before Christmas. The market is on fire. Mm-hmm. We're seeing like, a, we didn't see like, multiple offers like this we haven't seen probably for like two years we're seeing like 13 offers on properties right now it's absolutely crazy and that's just happened in the last three four weeks yeah it wasn't it hasn't been like that and usually you're right december is really uh uh really slow it's weird because if you're selling a property in december and you do have buyers around this time of year they're always serious buyers because if you're out there a few days before christmas you know, because it's tough to compete against Santa Claus. Santa Claus, uh, he occupies all of our attention. So if you're, if there's buyers out there, um, it's usually serious buyers this time of year, right? And I know, I know, not everybody celebrates Christmas and stuff, but still, just the commercial impact of Christmas alone usually means people are doing something at Christmas. Um, so if you have buyers, they're not doing that because they really need a property. So it's it's a really kind of weird dynamic at this time of year. But that's cool. So you picked it up at a good time of year as well. Yeah, the, I've been looking at some properties lately, and a lot of them are holding offers, which I. I try to stay away from when I'm doing what I do because I need a little bit more time usually um, to figure out if it's going to work for a severance, right? For some kind of development. Okay. Cause what do you have to do for, excuse me, for figuring out if it's a severance? What's the process that you go through for that? Yeah. So the first one, right. That we did or that yeah, I did. There's more, we're going to get to these other ones, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't know. <laughs> right. I didn't know if it could work. But it helped. It probably helped that you were a civil engineer. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Okay. So yeah, walk us through that. Yeah. Um, walk through the first one. Yeah. Like the process of the going process. through to sever. You could use the first one as an example or the process in general, whatever. So the process is um, typically you need a larger lot, right? So ideally, so right now I have a search set up for uh, above 50 feet. Okay. So above 50 feet frontage. Okay. So that's kind of where I like to start. You need kind of a, a wide lot and there's three. Typically for a single family home lot, there's typically three different type of lots that you can make work. So one would be a double lot, right? Where the house is sitting on kind of half of the house and then you could sever half of the lot. The house is sitting on half of the lot. Correct. Correct. So that's kind of like a double lot. There's another lot called the through lot where the backyard is actually fronting onto another street. Okay. And so you could sever off onto that other street. There's something called laneway houses now that... Um, there's already say a garage or something on the lane, laneway. That's kind of the idea of, if people are familiar with the laneway house. Okay. And then the other one in which I've done three times is the corner lot. Okay. So you've got ideally a large frontage on, on one street. And then on the other street, you've got a long depth, right? And you sever the backyard fronting onto the other street. Okay. That's a simple, that seems like the simplest way. The double lot situation seems weird to me because do you mean just legitimately it's two lots they've only built on one? Or do you mean that it's just a wide lot and the house is on the left or right hand side and you know that the city is allowing such a width to be severed? Yeah. So sometimes, typically I would say, well, zoning bylaws are always changing, but let's say typically the government's trying to intensify to put more units on you know, we're, that we're not making any more land and we've got more people coming. Okay. So I would say typically zoning bylaws are shrinking. So 
you know, 20 years ago, maybe you couldn't sever, but now you can, right? So in that scenario could just be a single lot that was created 50 years ago. And now the zoning bylaw is such that you can sever it. Okay. That would be one scenario. The other scenario or another scenario could be that it's actually two lots. Some people buy two lots and you can check if you look on the listing, there's the, often the legal description there. And it might say part one, part two of plan 12A of subdivision, blah, 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 blah. Right. So I, I love when I see that. I'm like, oh my God, that happened on the last one. It's two lots. So I'm like, okay, perfect. Right. I was, I was doing it in a different way than the frontage, but it makes it really easy where you say like, Hey, look, this is two lots. Right. We're just doing it in a different so way. So you find, so you, you're searching for the, one of these three specific criteria. Typically then once yeah. you find one, what goes through your head or what's your next step then? I find a lot that's big enough. Okay. And then I'll look through the zoning bylaw and the official plan of the township. So this is all free, right? The municipality has on their website. You can look up, uh, you know, the official plan, what it's designated as, and then the zoning bylaw of it, right? And I look what that is, and that's kind of the parameters you're working within, right? And then I've, so I'm a civil engineer, so I do this kind of stuff as my day job, which is super, super helpful. But I'll take a screen clip of the lot, right? From the city's website? Uh, from Google Maps. Oh, yeah, usually, okay, okay, right? yeah. Or um, maybe we, we could put this in the show notes or something. There's um, there's free GIS mapping for every municipality, okay? So, yeah, they have lot parcel information with aerial photos for free, um, typically on their municipal website, okay? So I go on that, right? I look at it. I take a screen clip of the lot with the aerial photo to, to see where the existing house is. Right. And then I put it into a PDF editor program. Okay. And then I start measuring stuff. Right. And I see what I could do, how big the, the new house could be with different setbacks and stuff. And the setback information you're getting from the published city bylaws Correct. for setbox. Correct. A set box. What am I? Two sips and I'm <laughs> drunk over here. Setbox. Uh, setbacks. They're publishing the setbacks. So you're finding Correct. that stuff there. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. And yeah, I'm going to have on my website a little uh, explanation of what setbacks are. Okay, just uh, share the URL now and we'll share it again. Sure. That's gobrownproperties.com. Gobrownproperties.com. Yep. And um, the setbacks, though, must be different for every municipality. So you're not going to yep. have them all on your website, are you? No, just an explanation of what a setback is. Okay, Because, that, you know, me coming from a technical background, actually, and actually working on development projects... When I first started looking at this stuff, I didn't really know what a setback was. And I was like, what's a, what's a setback? <laughs> and so that kind of confused me for a little bit. So I think that's a common, uh, I don't know, common question. And, and, you know, what is a lot, right? And what are, what are some definitions within a zoning bylaw that you need to know? Okay. Because now I can look at a zoning bylaw pretty quickly and figure out what's possible. Right. But it wasn't so easy at the start. Cool. Okay. Okay. Wow. So you're doing a lot of stuff, but I'm just thinking you have that background, which obviously helps, but even if you didn't have that background, you could call the city, you know, what you're doing on the website yourself, you could probably call the city and say, Hey, I'm looking at so-and-so address or so-and-so lots. Yes. And can you tell me what is possible here? And I found usually if you punch your way through enough people at the city, I mean, I don't mean literally punch your way through, <laughs> I mean like calling through a directory of different people or calling back, you can usually get them to answer that for you. Have you found the same? Oh yeah. So yeah. that's the next step in the process, right? You kind of, 
Okay, so I'm like the lazy guy who just goes right to. I'm like, hey man, I don't know what I'm looking at on your website. Can you? I'm looking at this lot. What can I do with this lot? But okay, you're doing some pre-research and then you're calling to confirm. Correct. Or going. Ideally, you go in. Right? Sure. You show up because, you know, city staff sometimes don't have incentive to call you back or talk to you. Right. So it's much easier when you're, you're at the counter, you're at the counter there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the, that's the number one. Okay. And if you go into the city and ask these questions, are you getting the information or answers right on the spot or do you have to come back? No one will give you a for sure answer. Yeah. It's classic government, classic government, but will someone tell you, Hey, I think this. Yes. You, You can, I've been denied like, cause I don't own the property. Right. So some municipalities won't talk to you because you're not the owner. Okay. So I've been served with a paper where they say you need to go get the owner to sign this. Right. Which now you got to put down the offer. Now it becomes more difficult, especially in a scenario where houses aren't staying on the market. for very Yeah, long. yeah totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or even if, if it wasn't a hot market, you're basically tipping your hand a little bit to for the current sure. seller that there might be more value than they recognize. Right. So, okay. Exactly. But you've had to do that on each of these. No, I, didn't move forward with that one where the okay. city said that. Okay. okay. Got it. But, um, yeah, typically, uh, I'll call or, um, actually my, my mom's been helping me cause she has daytime availability. Right. So it's, it's helpful to have someone with awesome. daytime. This availability. is a great family team. Okay. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and then you, ideally you have a, see, this is the part where I have a diagram, right. Of what I want to do with it. And I say, Hey, is this going to work? right? Can you give me like a, like a verbal, right? I'm looking for a verbal, right? And so the last, the first one didn't do that. Uh, just kind of muddled my way through it, but the last two, uh, I did do that. Right. So I made the plan and before, uh, removing the conditions, right. You offer with conditions before removing the conditions, I got a verbal from the town planner saying I would support this. And how good do you feel about the uh, verbal? Sorry, I'm, I'm monkeying around with the volume a little bit here. It's literally just plugged in the setup for you here, Spencer, the first time, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to uh, tweak things a bit. Um, how often when you do that, are you comfortable that the verbal is going to be good enough and not change? Because we've worked with a city, we were going to buy a piece of land and build mm-hmm. the space you're sitting in now, we're buying condo commercial, but we were going to build a building. And we found the city changed their answer slightly on us, on their verbals. Um, are you freaking out on the verbal or what, what do you do to try to give yourself some guarantee that some, what someone's telling you verbally is actually the case? Yeah, that's the million dollar question. I know. Right. I know. I was hoping you had the million dollar answer. <laughs> the, the million dollar answer is you need to be okay with it if it doesn't go through. Okay. So in the previous three that I've done and the new one, um, it, it was still okay if we didn't get the severance. Okay. So that's why the, on the first one, there was like a flip, right? Like improving the value, splitting into a duplex, and then it was additional onto the severance. Right. So I was okay with, um, it not coming through. Okay. So that's Basically, okay, I so you were buying these properties that if you get the severance, it's basically just sugar on top here. Like this is a, you're you're hoping for it, but you can survive with a worst case situation, which which I like. We always talk about being short term paranoid in our real estate, long term optimistic, and the, this is like a mini explanation of that because you're basically saying if it works, if it doesn't work, sorry. I'm going to be fine. It's not my intent, but if I'm stuck with this as just one property rental or possible flip. I'll survive. But if I can sever it now, you're golden. Yep. So yeah, I try to do a, a worst case pro forma, 
like a regular case pro forma and a best case pro forma. Okay. So for example, on the, the third one I just did, we got it successfully approved for a triplex. Okay. So it, so it was a single family home, increased it to a triplex and then severed the lot. Okay. Um, so I was pretty confident on the severance, but again, I could have improved the value and do a duplex on the existing property, put a, uh, you know, a regular, uh, legal duplex. Right. Um, and that was going to be good. I got the house for a good price, legal duplex. I could rent it all day long and, uh, I'm good to go. Right. But there was two additional things that were sugar on top for sure. Mm-hmm. Good for you, man. That's really, really impressive. Like, holy shit. Way <laughs> to go. Man. No, seriously. So, okay. So this process conditional offer, when you, you find one of these things, you have your, your little clause in there if necessary to get some paperwork signed so you can see what can be done with the lot. If you need to do it that way, um, then you go to the city, you confirm what can be done with the lot. You usually just get a verbal. What's your next step? So let's, let's say, yeah, you can do, you verbally are told, yes, I, you can do what you're thinking to do. Mm-hmm. What are you, what are you doing? You're firming up on the deal? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, so, you, so you're firm it, up on the deal. If, if I'm comfortable with, um, cause you usually, you know, need to get a minor variance or, or something, right? It maybe should say what a minor variance is. Yeah, of course. Go. Yeah. It's just, um, something that doesn't conform to the zoning bylaw. Right. Um, and, um, but hopefully it's in, it's minor in nature, right? So for example, uh, the, uh, or an example, let's say the minimum lot area on a lot was 300 square meters. Okay. But my new lot was 295 square meters. Okay. It's five meters off. That's a minor variance. Doesn't meet the zoning bylaw minor in nature. I would be comfortable with, you know, I'd have a high likelihood of approval, right? And you can take it one step further. That's why you're going to talk to the town because they should know what happened in the town previously. So there's probably lots of examples of people getting minor variances for lots of 260, 275, et cetera. Right. So you're looking for that precedence. Precedence is key in this stuff. If it, if it doesn't conform to the zoning bylaw or it's pretty close, maybe you can find existing precedent. Right. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. And so now, um, minor variance might be have to have to happen at some point. And you close on the pro you're closing on the property. Basically at this point you go for your minor variance and if minor variance is approved and then what? So you would, um, I've actually done rezonings, um, in the last three, but yeah, either a minor variance or a rezoning, then you would, uh, why did you have to do a rezoning? Uh, because it was in a, let's say an R1 and to, uh, I needed to intensify into, a more intense zone, like an R2 or an R3. Okay. Okay. And so if you're listening to this in R1 and you're, it's just for like a single family home yes. or something like that, you're looking to put a duplex, triplex or something. So you have to change the actual zoning of that particular lot because in the area, it's probably not set up for that. And you've gotten those approved before too. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So minor variance approval or your rezoning. How long does the rezoning process take? Oh, it's different. So the, Shelburne, the municipality is working, it was, you know, pretty short, like four to six months, but, um, in St. Catharines right now, it could take like nine, 12 months. Um, okay. And you're doing something in St. Catharines right now. Yeah, you are. That's yeah. your fourth deal. Okay. We're going to go, going to run through what you're up to, but okay. So it takes some time during that time. What are you doing? Just holding the property as is, or you're starting on whatever's there to renovate and fix exactly. it up. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Like fixing it up, renting it out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, okay. So you're going for that. You're fixing up the first one, your uh, rezoning or minor variance is approved. Mm-hmm. And then what? Uh, 
Sorry, uh, I'm just trying to understand this for myself. Like, I'm fascinated by this. And a whole bunch of Rockstar members specifically have done this all over the place. Nick and I have not done this. For sure. So this is totally interesting for me. And I should say, like, I know a fair amount of this stuff. but No, you better be the expert. And everything you say, people are going to follow. And don't make any mistakes for anyone. No, no what I'm saying, you can actually hire help. Like, there's there's planners and engineers that can, that can do this stuff as well, right? So if you don't know this stuff, but you want to know, you can actually hire help, right? And you can either learn it yourself or just get them to do it. Yeah, right? got it. Yeah, so, yeah. But, but you need to have a sufficient knowledge to, to be able to look at it and think about it and to be able to hire them and hire them and, and speak to speak, right? You need to know a little bit. So Totally. And I think, no, I know a ton of people listening to this won't agree with me, but on the first or second one you do of this, you should almost do most of it by yourself. Or if you do hire someone, be intimately involved in their process mm-hmm. so that you're learning. And Correct. you want to have the knowledge firsthand. And I know someone listening to this will be like, ah, that's a bunch of BS because I'm just going to hire someone else and they can ha- do it. But that's where te- people tend to get screwed or things take too long. You know, you really want to get to know stuff. When we were, fr- when Nick and I were first flipping properties or even buying rentals, um, we handled a lot of the gutting ourselves so we could see behind the walls. We would, if the, if the contractors need material, we would be the ones going to buy the material ourselves, delivering it to the house. Like we were involved in everything because even if we didn't know how to lay the tile, we wanted to be as close to laying of that tile as possible so we could learn the process, how long it should take, how much it should cost. And it's proved to be really valuable over the years because then you just don't get ripped off. Mm-hmm. When someone tells you, hey, like this tile work should look like this and you're looking at the tile, you're like, no way. There's no way it should look like that because we know we've been involved in different projects before. So if you can at all be involved and you do something like this, it's, I mean, the, the knowledge you're gaining that you have now at 29 years old about real estate is incredible. Like, how much is that going to be worth to you over the next 20, 30 years of your life? It's going to be huge. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping a lot. I'm, hoping yeah, a lot. I'm, a, I'm choosing to answer the question for you. It's going to be huge. It's going to be freaking massive. So, um, okay. So, I just want to continue, though. The, uh, yeah. the rezoning gets approved. You're fixing up the thing. When do we actually sever the lot? Yes. So, I'm actually in the process now of I've gotten approved at council, okay? And then the planner is going to send me development conditions, right? So, like, when someone's doing a subdivision, right, they would have what's called draft plan conditions, but it's like you've been approved in principle and then they're going to send you a list of conditions you have to fill, right? One of those conditions is paying them a fee, right? Um, and in, in this one, I have to build a part like two parking spots on the existing property. So anyways, there's a whole bunch of conditions that you have to fulfill. Once you fulfill those conditions and they give you approval, then you can go ahead and you have to get a lawyer, right? To create a new pin and a new lot, um, and then you've got a new lot. Okay, got it. The lawyer then registers that on yes. on title, I guess, that actually is changing the lot size. Yeah. Now we're and going from one lot to two lots. Yes. And you either got to get a new mortgage or a partial discharge from your existing mortgage. Oh, got it. And what? Yeah, no, that's uh, super smart, of course. So what's that process like? Uh, yeah. Had trouble with that on the second one, actually. Because what? The bank was like, no. Hey, yeah, man, we ba- valued the property like this. You're cutting a bit off. Screw you. That's the correct. banks always win, man. But, <laughs> yeah. it, but you beat them? Well, no. I had to pay them out and oh, get a new mortgage. You did? Yeah. Yeah. Holy with a new, shit. Yeah. And there was no... With a, with a new company, yeah. uh, you know, they didn't know that it was a you, smaller When you than mean before. a new company? A new mortgage company. Okay. Got it. Right? They okay. didn't know that it was smaller than, than before. Okay, awesome. Good, good. So you navigated through the banking system. So you managed to pay that one out. You found a new mortgage company to give you a new mortgage on that one. And it was ridiculous, actually, because they said that it didn't conform to the lots in the area. But in fact, it did conform. It was probably more like the lots in the area after the severance. (laughs) Well, well, typically, a town wouldn't approve it if it doesn't conform, 
That's what yeah. they're checking for. Yeah, you go through this whole process to make sure that it conforms with what the town's vision is, what the plan is, the existing neighborhood. And for the bank to come in and say it doesn't conform is ridiculous. And so you, uh, yeah, no, I'm liking that you're getting upset here. This is great. I mean, you're, you're sharing my it was frustration. Bullshit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's bullshit. And these bankers. But uh, some of our members are bankers. And yeah. so if you're listening to this or someone's out there, for sure a banker listening to this, we kind of sort of love bankers, but sometimes we don't. <laughs> Straight up, um, you, you need them. You, you need them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but, totally a love hate relationship. Yeah. Um, but uh, okay, so you get this done. The lawyer does it. Now you have your two lots, and you're free to do basically as now you're back to regular permitting, as if you're building a new property out. Then you get a building permit. After then that. you're getting that, and that's our regular building process. Correct. Get a building permit. Go through the building of a new uh, of a new property. That's amazing, man. So on this first one. That's what you did. You built a, another property on the new lot. No, I haven't built the property. I'm, but I'm, you have it severed now. Yeah. Well, okay. I've, I've actually sold two of the lots to a local builder. Okay. So what do you mean two of the lots? How many did you sever on that first one? So uh, just one lot on the first one. Just okay. one lot each time. So I've okay. I've done. Oh, got it. So you've done this on multiple properties. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, so can you walk me through then your property so I get a picture here? For sure. So the first one, um, yeah, split into a duplex, severed a lot. Sold a lot to a builder. Second one, did the same thing. Um, split into a duplex, severed the lot. Was this in, uh, where was the second one purchased? In Shelburne as uh, well. A, a deal as well. Yeah, good deal. Yep. Okay. Yep. Cool. Uh, well, bought it for three fifty nine. Okay. And okay. in the area, properties were going for oh, average in Shelburne, probably like five hundred thousand. Yeah, I think okay. maybe maybe All more. Right, cool. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and the, the, it was a good deal because also beat down property kind of thing? Uh, yeah, it okay. was in a bit better shape. And what was good about that one is we didn't have to do too much to it. It was, the layout was such that we could just build a wall. Okay. And the stairs were going up to the to the second apartment upstairs. Um, so it was, it was a great layout. We didn't have to spend too much money to create a second apartment. Okay, cool. Uh, okay, yeah. Um, okay, and then ne next, because you're up to fourth now. So yeah, what'd you do on the third one? Third one um, was a large corner lot. Uh, with a bungalow, okay, a 1,200 square foot bungalow, and got approval for a triplex, okay? So I made a uh, 650 square foot two-bedroom, right, while I was waiting for that approval, okay? So you could you can do a legal second suite in most areas now in Ontario, right? You have to check the zoning bylaw, but um, they just, the provincial policy statement just updated in 2019 to allow, uh, you know, legal, well, the municipalities are still figuring out what that policy statement means for them, but you're supposed to be able to do an accessory dwelling in, in most single family homes in Ontario. <laughs> so, no, right? it's a disaster. I know. Yeah. You could just say it's a freaking disaster, but anyway, you're navigating through it and you got this, you're, you're getting this done. Yeah. So yeah, I did the second one and then now I'm, I'm building the third unit, which is going to be about 480 square foot, one bedroom. So in a 1200 square foot basement, got the utility room, a small two bedroom, and then, uh, you know, a small awesome. one bedroom. Yeah. Shell, are we still in Shelburne? Still in Shelburne. Awesome. For Good one. for you, man. Yep. So, yeah. But, you know, this year I realized, like, you know, I, I should branch out. And I, um, I, you know, I being a part of Rockstar, I got exposed to other areas. I'm like, ah, I should look at other areas, right? So then I started looking at St. Catharines, Kitchener, Barrie. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, yeah, that's what I've been up to this year. Trying and then to, what trying did to branch you, out. And you found something in St. Catharines, it looks like. Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of looking at down some of the notes that you shared with me. Mm -hmm. Um so that yes, yeah, so you're gonna you're closing on this one in January. Yes, yeah, yeah that's good correct. for you, man. Yeah. Like I know I keep saying that, but I'm totally impressed. 
Awesome. So, uh, yeah, I've had to do joint ventures on uh, everyone um, because I didn't have any of my own money. I was uh, due to a student loan. I was negative. My net worth was negative 17,000 <laughs> in 2016. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. Dude, I remember paying off my student. I remember going to the CIBC bank at Rockwood Mall, Dixie and Burnthorpe, Mississauga. Made the last payment on my student loan and literally jumping up and down in front of the teller, <laughs> celebrating. Like I paid this goddamn thing off. So, so freaking happy. So yeah, no, we can all relate, man. Yeah. I had OSAP loans that I was doing the most stupid. I was getting OSAP loans and funding with OSAP. I was basically paying for my reading week trips to Mexico and funding my friends who had no money and no OSAP funding their trips to Mexico. And it took me, it took some of my friends several years after university to pay me back. I was doing the most stupid stuff with my OSAP. I totally shouldn't have done any of that kind of stuff. Like, I don't even know what, you know, I can't even remember how I was doing that. Like I, you know, anyway, somehow I got access to the money, did not go to tuition or books and I was just blowing it on trips to Mexico. thought I was the smartest guy too. Look at this, the government's funding my trips and you got to pay all back with interest. Um, anyway, so, so we can all relate, but it's still, so the joint venture aspect, I feel like you're hesitating when you say that, like it's a negative. It's totally not. You know that, right? No, it's a positive. Yeah. yeah. It's a positive. Yeah. It's just, you know, like I had some skills and I had some desire to do this, but I didn't have any money. Right. Yeah. So you, you can find people that don't want to do it, who have the money. Right. And, and try to come together. Where are you, where is this kind of, you know, you're obviously pretty excited about this kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. where is this coming from? You went to university to become a civil engineer. You're currently working as a civil engineer. That's correct. Why are you doing this? Real, like most people are so focused on their career. They're not, they don't have time for this kind of stuff. What, what's going on? What's, what, what, why is this happening? Um, I mean, I've always wanted to, I guess, I don't know. I always want more, I guess. I don't know. I, I've always kind of wanted to, um, I guess start my own business, right. Or have a side hustle. I've always wanted to, um, do something more. And I guess from an early age, um, like 18, I started reading books on investment and and stock investing. And I've kind of always been interested in that stuff. Right. And so real estate, uh, came, you know, to me and I took advantage and it's gone well. And, um, I just really like what it, it can do for you, right? I mean, leverage, right? If you if you can force appreciation through, there's a bunch of different strategies to do that. But if you can do that and you can leverage your money, you're getting like five to one because you only put 20% down on 100% of an asset. So if you increase it by 5%, um, sorry, if you increase it by 20%, that's 100% return, which is outrageous, right? Mutual funds are you're getting what, five or 6%. So... I'm a bit of a numbers guy and I've always been interested in investing and um, I, I actually invested my OSAP money in stocks. <laughs> You're much, yeah, much, much smarter move than me. I don't well, know. Stock, maybe, market, maybe stock, not. stock market's a little bit like a slot machine, so I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. I, I actually didn't lose money. I didn't make cool. any money, okay, but, good. but good, I good. invested yeah, a bit and... Uh, yeah, so I, I we all we went down similar paths because in my twenties I I spent I remember I was working at Oracle and on my lunches I was reading an, a, a a trading manual I'd purchased um, I forget the name of it I just ended up uh, uh, showing it to Nick because I just found it in the move here uh, I was trading option I was going to do options trading for a couple and I spent a couple years doing it yeah. and. Uh, 
after a couple of years, I was like, wait, what am I doing? I'm just getting sucked into this thing and I'm not really getting ahead on this. Uh, so that's what's attracted to me to real estate as well. I just felt like the leverage ability of it. Like when I started to figure out like, oh my gosh, like a lot of the stuff when people make fun of real estate and they're talking about like, well, the appreciation is really not that great. If you look historically, they're talking about it at like full market value with no leverage. Correct. I'm like, you guys are always, why are you not talking about the leverage? It always bothers me to no end. Those financial planners, I read these articles in the Huffington Post or whatever. The financial planners are like, like you know, uh, Joe and, and Anne are 65 years old. They have a million dollars in assets and, you know, they should sell all their real estate and put it into a mutual fund for I retirement. Always, I always scratch my head. I'm like, who's calling out these columnists here? Like, <laughs> no. it's, it's basically, they're saying, in so many of those articles, it's like, the only good thing you've done is you have all this real estate. <laughs> but now, because it's grown in so much value, it's actually, you're over overweighted in your real estate, so sell it all. Yeah. You know, you're like, what are you guys talking? The yeah. only good thing they did was the real estate. Don't freaking sell the real estate. You know, know. Yeah, so yeah, we're totally on the same page with that. It freaks me out to and, no end. And, and, and a lot of people, like their best, investment is real estate right their their own home but a lot of it like it's their only investment right and i just i, I don't understand why like buy another one just one like buy, i tell everyone buy just buy one, one. <laughs> just buy one just like and everyone's uh, it barks back at me who doesn't do like oh i don't want to deal with the leaky toilets and stuff i'm like well then you're never allowed to complain to me about your financial situation because if you're not willing to do if anything to kind of get ahead and you know that there's a path then you're not allowed to complain to me forget for sure. it for sure and next so yeah, we're totally on the same, but I, I just going back to those articles that you read when the financial planner steps in there, <laughs> yeah. those ones, like I literally, re I've read those. So like I'm 46 now, I feel like I've been reading those for at least 20 years. And, and I guess at first I, I was like, Oh, this is kind of interesting. Let's see the plan they come up with. And then I guess for the last 15 years, I kind of finally started catching on. I'm like, wait a second. This advice is really weird. Like they're, they're terrible. The, the whole point is like missing. And now I read them and I actually, they kind of anger me a little bit. And I just like, I'm not reading this stuff anymore. But then I still, I, it's like a tabloid magazine oh, to yeah. me or something. Oh, I'll yeah. see like, one publish. Ooh, I wonder yeah, what Anne's yeah, going to do. Yeah. I'm like, okay, what are they going to do now? Because the title is like, you know, a uh, 56 year old couple, uh, a fairly good future, but overweighted on their income properties or something. I'm like, what the hell are they going to say now? And I find myself like drawing it. And it's always, you're right. It's always, you know, they really should like sell one or two of their income properties, pay down their mortgage on, you know, the outstanding property and then invest the difference yeah. in a good dividend yielding stock. And I'm like, <laughs> exactly that yeah that's always the last paragraph yeah yeah oh, Ridiculous. oh my god but uh okay so you went down the same path do you so, rip, do you go ahead that's another important thing that I, you know maybe a lot of people listening to this is like i wanted to take control of my fa financial future right because a lot of people just outsource it to a financial planner or whatever i'm like i'm not doing that like i want to be in control of it right it's it's so important you're anal enough just like us yeah we get along really well we nick talks about this all the time We're, we always and it's kind of what drove us away from investing in stocks somewhat because uh, during my tech career, I was into stocks because I was getting options and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But I just felt with real estate, I could have full control because with uh, the, the stock market, I was always feeling like I was the last to know what was going on. Like a stock would change and I'm like, why is this stock going down? And I never understood. But with real estate, I, fe I feel it's such an inefficient market that there's actually an arbitrage opportunity there for me because it's so inefficient. So for example, in Shelburne or in St. Catharines, the data for all these lots isn't easily accessible by like algorithms from Wall Street to like, 
figure out like, oh my gosh, there's an opportunity in Shelburne because we found a lot that is like, you know, this double wide and we can cut it in half. It really takes still someone like yourself to go through insider knowledge, insider knowledge. And, and, and so it doesn't take that much work to go get some of that knowledge. And then once we have it, we can also have an information advantage in that we can know the community or if we don't know, we can learn about it. We can know what rents are going on in the area and we just understand everything about it. So then when we're making these decisions about these properties, it's not that risky because I know all the information. And when I boil it all down, sometimes Nick and I are obsessed, not sometimes, I'm always obsessed about interest rates. But when I boil it all down, I came to realize that really the only thing I have no control over are whatever the Bank of Canada is going to do with these freaking interest rates. Mm. Almost everything else, the penalties on my mortgage, I can understand. You know, the, the, the rent, I can get a good feel on the rent. The expenses, I can get a good feel for like whatever I'm going to pay on these properties with hydro and water and that kind of stuff. Almost everything, there's going to be some variables with tenants. You know, there might be a curveball here there are some vacancies here and there so that I can't fully have an information advantage on but I can kind of plan for it and the only thing really left is like interest rates other than that everything else I can kind of stay on top of this and I felt when I understood that about real estate that it just the advantages of real estate became so great I drifted away from the stock market entirely and Nick and I really have not gone back I I still think he has some pension stuff from his old government job I have a little bit in mining companies um, that I've had for like ever that I just refuse to sell. <laughs> yeah. um, I think I'm I think I'm like negative forty percent on that, but I'm just like out of it's not that much money, but I'm like just out of principle, I'm not selling those freaking money coming. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's it. I don't I, I'm not in the stock market at all. And I think some people when they meet us, they're like, well, tell us really what you're invested in. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like we build business. You know, for us, it's being an entrepreneur and building business. And we buy some precious metals. I don't think there's any secret in that. If you're new to us, we buy precious metals. Mm-hmm. And we like real estate and we buy real estate and that's it. There's no rocket science here. And it's been a great life so far with this, with this journey. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the control with real estate is, that's why I'm, I'm into it. Right. Or that epiphany happened for me a couple of years ago where I was like, Oh my God, like I've got control over this investment, which I didn't have over stocks. Right. Like who, who, like Warren Buffett maybe can call up these companies. But hey, like you should change something yeah. over here, right? Well, like, even his, and listen, I know someone into stocks is just going to take us to task for this, but I, it's just our opinion. But yes. I mean, even Warren Buffett, he's buying, he buys controlling interests of companies and controls their their mm-hmm. balance sheet. He controls their incomes. He's buying the cash flow. He's just like you and I, he's just doing it at the business level. Mm-hmm. So he's buying controlling interests of companies and controlling it with likely an information advantage of the industry that he's in. Exactly. So he's not, like buying you know a tiny percentage of shares and just hoping they go up Mm -hmm. he's he's operating at a different information level right and and yeah the information advantage you kind of yeah i don't want to beat it to death but that that's the real key you preach man you preach (laughs) but yeah yeah no you're right you're right for sure and like insider trading is illegal but in the stock market but in real it's kind of encouraged Right. If, if Joe yeah, I never really thought about it that way, but I guess it, you're right. If you can get in, if you can get like Joe's some, selling down on the corner and you know about it, you can go offer it. You yeah, can go buy from him. Yeah, That's insider trading yeah, yeah, or, 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 you know something, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not illegal. Yeah, you're right. You can approach him saying, Hey, before you list this property, I'll make you sure. an offer right here. You're or, right. Or, you know, real, that's why a lot of people get it to become a real estate agent is like to get first dibs, right? They, they know. <laughs> that's they, exactly, that's the only reason Nick and I have our licenses. That's the only reason you're sitting in this brokerage where you're sitting right now. Yeah. It was that thought. That exactly. was it. It was like, yeah. wait a second. Why don't we just get our real estate license? <laughs> yeah. you know? it's, it's like, oh, you're going to list it. Maybe I'll just buy it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. So where do you think, um, you, you said, 
you know, you said you, you have this, you're closing in January, this one in January, you're going to do, is this another, this is another sever situation? Yeah. Another sever situation. Um, but it's interesting. Yeah. So I've got a different partner on this one and, um, they've done a lot of this stuff and, um, what we're going to do something interesting actually. Well, we want to do something interesting. We're still trying to figure out and, and I'm, you know, personally doing some research on it, uh, which I'll ramp up, uh, real soon now, but on, um, uh, co-housing for seniors. So this is like a, let's say an on-trend topic, like a, like a buzz topic. There's an aging population and there's a lot of seniors now in, uh, like they're lonely, a lot of single seniors, even, even with a couple, like a partner, there's a lot of lonely seniors in their, you know, existing house that they've been there for so many years. Right. And they're looking for some companionship, maybe a bit of a, you know, social safety net, right. If they have, um, it's, it's basically the, the period of time before assisted living. Right. Um, I don't want to put an age on it because people are different, but like, but you know, the, the, the time leading up to assisted living, um, there's a lot of single seniors there that are looking for something else that's not currently being provided. Right. So we're looking into, uh, severing a lot and making basically a four unit single family home. Okay. So it'd be ideally, we'll see what we get, can get approved for, but ideally something like, you know, three to 400 square foot units with kitchenettes in them and then kind of a living area a common living area right it's like a not a student rental it's like a senior rental kind of yeah (laughs) same kind of thing yeah yeah and so um yeah because i mean once you get to that stage maybe you don't want to move into the five or six thousand dollar a month um you know retirement home right and there's just there's not that many and are you doing so i'm interested are you because i feel like you don't have to do a new concept it's not a new concept but the, the, this fairly sounds like could be fairly new concept that you're doing mm-hmm. uh do you have to do that to profit on this property couldn't you just stay the true method of just i don't know single family rental duplex it out you know do something like that for sure or are you just trying a proof of concept here to see if this works yeah we like we've talked about it and yeah I mean, I'm big on, ideally, I could have a net benefit to society. If I'm going to be in business, uh, you know, I want to make profit. I want to keep doing what I'm doing. But if I can somehow have a net benefit to society, I want to do that, right? And so that's one of the reasons why I focused on building more units. Like, as you know, there's a unit gap in Ontario. There's about 50,000 unit demand, 40,000 unit build. There's a gap here, right? Yeah, so the, we have a flat out crisis going on. Yeah, there's a housing crisis, yeah. right? So that's why I kind of have chosen one of the reasons again, I've you know, to build more units, right? And so this seniors thing kind of fits in with that. Like, there's a net benefit to society to provide this form of housing, right? And I think we can make a profit out of it as well. So it's, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be interesting. And awesome, and, man. and and like, why not try it? Because we need to. The, the the goal would be to pre-sell it to a group of four and then build it. Right. So there's reducing the risk. Right. And then if we can't find four people, then we can just do a regular house. Right. There's, there's really no risk. Yeah. Cool. To, so, to okay. Try. So you'll pre-sell it up front. That's yeah. the goal. Cool. Yeah. No, so, I love the idea, man. So we'll Good see what happens. Like, yeah. Just talking that way. Who the heck are you? 29 <laughs> years old, changing the world like this. I mean, geez, that's awesome, man. So cool to hear. No, for real. I mean, that is really cool. And then how are you managing all this with your career right now? 
you got a lot on your plate. I mean, you're young. You don't have. You're about to get married next year. Yep. Right. Congratulations. Yep. Shout out to Shelby. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Congrats on that. Smart, smart move on the shout out right there. <laughs> yeah. I was in Italy. Was I? It was in Italy. Was it this year or both? No, last summer. It was last summer. Four different older Italian guys. I didn't even know. They get to talking to us. Is this your wife and kids? Yeah. And they would pull me aside, like I don't know, five minutes, ten minutes later. I don't know if I was making mistakes and they were trying to correct my marriage or something but they're like hey hey man happy wife happy life you know i four different italian men on the same trip i kept telling carol like hey man i keep getting told happy wife happy life here you know and uh so yeah you're great shit you're out. exuding that's, bad husband i'm a pair of pair I, I guess so i'm like they're probably looking at me like what's this guy doing and i, I really th- i've been married 20 years so i'm like i don't know i think i got things half figured out at least but four different guys and then they would kind of laugh and just chuckle it was really it was really crazy but by you giving the shout out, you're right on the happy wife, happy life strategy, man. So uh, good for you. So that's cool, man. Really pumped for you. That's yeah. uh, that's exciting times right now. Yeah, it, it's very exciting. Yeah, and and yeah, the planning will ramp up. Yeah, yeah. So it's busy. Like it's it's super busy. Um, yeah, I don't have kids though, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm trying to get a lot of this stuff done. Kind of get the momentum going uh, on this sort of you know side business. Um, because we do want to have kids like in a couple of years. And I think that's going to be really tough to, because I, I probably do 15 to 20 hours a week on this. And I have, you know, it's an engineer, like 40 hours a week. Full-time plus, job. So you're doing evenings drive. and weekends. You're working on this kind of stuff. Yep. And, yeah. you know, I went to karaoke last weekend. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm still trying to yeah. have a social life too. So yeah, it's busy, but it's fun, you know? Yeah. Um, you brought the, you brought the prosecco bottle in here that exploded all. I was just finished telling Mr. Spencer Brown here. I'm like, hey, look at the brand new tables that we have here. I don't want uh, I don't want anything you know happening to these tables. I'm really loving. My, I, I was like I was just like rubbing the table here. Like, look at this new black walnut table here. What's the guy's name? We're, we got to say sorry. I got to say sorry. Uh, yeah, to, yeah. To rustic, rustic design is by Rich. Rustic yeah. Design. yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. Sorry, Rich. I'm gonna I'm gonna send him a little text right now. Hey, Rich. Yeah, you know how you told me to take care of these tables and be really good with them? Spencer came in here and threw Prosecco right over the table, right on the carpet, right down the hallway, all the way to the kitchen. That was me actually running the bottle up the, <laughs> to the kitchen right before this podcast. But uh, no, it's a, it's a, uh, that, was a, that, was a fun, that was a perfect way to kick off the first podcast. When you, we well, kicked it off in style. It was a surprise. Was, yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> Definitely surprised the cork. Oh, I felt like it almost took off my head. But uh, for the record, I did not mean to do that. No, 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 no. But even if you did, it would have been totally fine. Um, so, what else did, did you? Is there anything else? I think I, I you've done a great job, kind of outlining that process for us. And okay. I think um, if you're listening to this, this is just another example of someone. Just you know, we talk about living life on your terms, and I love to hear what you're doing because to me, you're. You're, you're, you're living your life on your own terms, man. Like, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I got my, my, my civil engine. I'm a civil engineer. I have my career. I'm doing this on the side like this and you're choosing to do it. I absolutely love it. You, to me, you're owning your life. You're not like letting life happen to you. You're taking responsibility and you're plowing forward. And it's hard. Like I can't imagine the financing problems that you've had, you know, the <laughs> bank who said that they weren't going to get, you know, they're going to, I'm sure when you heard the first bank was going to like pull the mortgage because you're severing a lot, like that's not a happy day. So I understand all the pain that you've been through so it's a lot of sleepless nights for sure I'm sure yeah I get it man mm-hmm. and uh, probably explaining to your girlfriend or now fiance like hey here's what we're doing and this kind of stuff and I remember I remember telling Carol there's one property Nick and I bought student rental in Hamilton and uh, the, the we bought this thing shag rugs um, from the 70s right and we bought this I guess it was I think it was 99 or 2000 right around there and uh, shag rugs we go in the basement washroom there's an old tub 
I don't know. I can't even tell you how old this tub is. And I guess uh, a shower head that was had a clothes hanger wire tied around it, tied to the HVAC above it. Um, and that was the shower head. It was being held up by this, you know, little piece of wire. And then next to the bathtub was a dehumidifier and the electrical cord was running up oh. the shot, like right where the shower head was. And then right around kind of to an electrical plug on the other side. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, what did we even buy? Nick, you tricked me into buying the worst property. And I remember my wife wanted to see the property. I'm like, no, we can't let you in right now. And we gutted that thing. And, uh, you know, it's, you think you know what you're doing and you dive in and you have those sleepless nights, but that's kind of what it takes to get the knowledge and the experience. It's, it's, it's all valuable. Right. Mm-hmm. And the stuff, when you had that mortgage being pulled on you, like not pulled, but when they said they wouldn't do what you wanted to do to deal with that, the next time that happens to you, it, it phases you less. You know, you're on to like three other solutions instead of focusing on the problem, right? Because you've been through that already. You've kind of stepped up from that level of problem, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's been, um, yeah, difficult. But yeah, I've heard this, right? Of people, you know, building their business. They used to think the sky was falling or the first property, you know, I was shit in my pants, right? (laughs) Like (laughs) it was scary, right? And all the worst things come into your your mind. um, And, uh, but yeah, you just got to keep moving forward. And I like this quote, like use fear as a compass. Um, so I, I try to think about that when I'm like shitting my pants over something like, Oh, like this is probably good. Like I, this is a, I'm growing, we, you know, you know, we, it's, it's so cool. Cause you, I've, I don't think I know that one, but fear is a compass, meaning that you go in the direction of fear. Correct. Oh, that's cool. Cause something we always have lived by is that if both of us have to deal with a problem and we both don't want to, we know <laughs> yeah. we have to. Does that make sense? Yes. It's like if that Using problem. Using fear as a compass. Yeah. It's a, so it's the same principle exactly. I've just never described it like that. It's like, oh God, like Nick, do you want to do this? No. Do you want to do it? No. And I'm like, okay. And one of us will say, okay, I got it because that means we have to do this. Yeah. You know? And it's funny. Once you do it and handle a big problem or what at the time you thought was big, it just kind of melts away and you move on. Another strategy we've used in dealing with problems, I don't know if this could ever be helpful or, or maybe give some context that's been really useful to both of us is that when we get absorbed into some problems for multiple days, sometimes it's because the action that we need to take to correct it isn't something that can be accomplished in 24 hours. Like maybe we're waiting on a response for from a bank, for example, or from somebody. And the right thing to do is really just to wait, but you get sucked into mentally obsessing over the problem. What, what we've done that's helped us is we've just found better problems to focus on. So if, if I wake up two or three days in a row, of focusing on some problem that I really can't control myself for whatever reasons, I tell myself I need to find other problems and I'll Mm -hmm. go and try and find bigger, better problems to work on. And magically that whatever problem I was concerned about either solves itself or just kind of, you know, completely disappears. So something I've always kind of lived by over the last 10 years is that if I'm bothered by a problem and you know, I can't kind of fix it right away, I'm looking for a bigger problem to tackle and it's been a, I don't know, I don't know if I'm explaining this clearly enough, but it's been a, a really good way for us to, to uh, mentally kind of survive through dealing with shit. Yeah, that, yeah, sometimes I get in a cycle where I'm just obsessed, know, yeah, obsessed yeah. and not in a good way, right? Totally. And yeah. so when I finally realized that I'm doing that, because sometimes it takes some time to re- be like, oh, this is not good. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to write it down, right? I write down all my problems and then... I go to, I try to go to sleep and just let the subconscious 
try to figure yeah. out. And I don't know. I, it's, it seems to work sometimes. Good on you, man. You're wise by beyond your years. You've read a lot. You've done a lot of stuff. <laughs> Writing down your problems is like the best thing. Cause sometimes if, if I'll be complaining about the problems I'm dealing with or what I have too much on my plate, when I write it down, it almost like it just extracts it out of my mm-hmm. brain and my brain's free to think. And when then you look at it on paper, you realize sometimes, Oh my God, it's really not that much. Mm-hmm. It's just cause my brain could only hold four or five things at a time. When I write it down on paper, this is like nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, yeah. Awesome, man. Good for you. So look, as you go along this journey, I'm so, I feel so fortunate that we've crossed paths and stuff. Oh, um, that's very nice. Likewise. Yeah, yeah. So, and for you to share this much information, a lot of people will, will do things that you're doing and they're not going to share what, you know, they've been through and stuff. I'm sure someone listening to this is going to have, be very thankful that you did this. Well, well I hope so. Actually, I, I kind of got in that cycle when I first did this and f- again, I, I'm learning a lot. I haven't figured it out completely, but like. I thought I was like, oh my god, I I know something. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta I protect so- this little piece of secret information. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, well, this is so niche, and it it is niche. But I was like, oh, I I can't tell anybody this. I'm gonna keep all these properties for myself, you know. But I I got out of that thinking, and and there's a lot of you know, as you know, like there's a lot of information out there, like share stuff, right? And and stuff will come back to you, and and that's that's where I'm at right now because I, I've started telling people what I'm doing in the last uh, you know couple of years, I would say. And I've met so many great people that are doing similar things or different things. And you just, your life become, or your, your business and your life becomes enriched by sharing what you're doing rather than hoarding the secrets. Totally. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, and, and then, so having said that, you mentioned you're going to share more on your website, right? Yes. Some of the, I think it was a, some of the setback. Info. Well, yep. So if you're listening to this, we'll put a link to your website. I know you're about to share it again, but we'll put a link to it as well at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast. If you find Spencer Brown's uh, episode there will have his URL linked there too. So rockstarinnercircle.com slash podcast will take you right to our podcast page and you can find the show notes there. But yeah, what is the URL? It's gobrownproperties.com. So G-O-B-R-O-W-N-B-R, sorry, P-R-O-P-E-R-T-I-E-S. Go Brown Properties. Go Brown. Grow. Go. <laughs> oh my God. I just screwed. Too much. We um, both no, I don't know if it's the Prosecco you're on. Go Brown Properties dot com. That's correct. Go Brown Properties dot com. And on there, you're going to have that information. What? Yeah, what? yeah like eight steps to a severance. Uh, setback information. Um, just a quick... Uh, sort of outline of, of what needs to happen if you're looking to do this. Very cool. And I'm sure there's some contact information on there. Yep. If, yep. And I got a newsletter as well. I give some thoughts about things that I'm thinking about. Yeah. Very um, cool. In real estate. Very cool. I think you were sending your newsletter to me for a while. And I think I commented on like, who's this guy saying this news? I couldn't <laughs> add it up. So then finally getting to know you better and stuff, it all makes more sense now. So thank you for doing I think, that. I think I guessed your email too, because I, I just joined or whatever, but, uh, yeah, like Tom, there's a lot of people do that. So I get a lot of weird you, stuff sent to do. me. And so sometimes I don't know what to make of it. I'm like, I don't know. Do I know this person? Do I not know this person? So uh, anyway, but no, it's great that you started sending. It's a great email. And thank you for doing that. So anything else you wanted to share? Um, I don't think so. I think we, uh, we got through a bunch of stuff. So. You are an engineer. You came with bullet notes on typed out here for you to cover. That is the engineer in you showing their face that's very that's very good i know i'm dealing with an engineer when someone walks in with paperwork like that but uh so yeah spencer thank you really i mean great that you're sharing this thank you for kicking off the first podcast here in the new office thank you for having the prosecco kind of go everywhere and uh yeah it's really really uh gonna be fun over the next few years to see where your path takes you we're excited to see it ourselves so thanks for doing this man i appreciate it awesome thanks tom 
Hey everyone, it's Tom Gradza. So hopefully you enjoyed that talk with Spencer Brown. Totally blown away. Good guy. What I mean, like young guy doing all this kind of stuff. Totally impressed. Um, so and it's part of the reason that we love doing this podcast so much. It's just coming across different um, investors, different rock star members doing this kind of thing. Really, really cool. So feel fortunate to be able to share that kind of stuff and just fun time sitting down together. I still am gonna have to talk to him about uh, the prosecco spilling all over my table on podcast episode number one. But uh, good guy, good guy. And uh, that's it. If you are listening to this and you want some real estate. Uh, information go to rockstarinnercircle.com that's it for this episode until next time your life your terms